I'm Mariangela Abeo, and this is the Face to Faces podcast, a conversation series that provides a platform focusing on the LGBTQ and POC communities and their allies in the areas of activism, politics, mental health, arts and entertainment, and community, where we discuss the human experience in our ever-changing world. The goal of this space is to remind you that while you may have moments where you feel isolated or alone, there is always an incredible community of people here that is safe. We all connect to people at our deepest pains and our greatest joys. And in this space, we're here for those moments and everything in between. I'm so glad you're here. Take a seat next to me. It's always open. Now, let's lean in. Okay. I am so excited to have my guest today, violinist, incredible violinist, by the way, composer, uh, amazing public speaker, Kai Kite is here. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I'm really excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to, to chatting. So before, yeah, before anything, I have to say we are agency siblings. Is that right? Is we that are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I got the email from Gotham, which, by the way, the only reason I replied and didn't think it was spam is because it was named Gotham, and I have a huge did that resonate with you? Yeah. Oh, I have a huge um, connection to superheroes. Uh, by my late brother, who's the reason I started all of this. So whenever I get mm. little superhero things, I'm like, okay, brother, I'll take a look. And so, and then <laughs> that's how I met Kate. And then Kate says, I have somebody else that I work with named Kai sent me all these links. As a former violinist, I was just enamored with what you do. Um, so yeah, well, thanks. And, it sounds I mean, like they hit they hit the right notes with you. The yeah, the well, I was violin. excited. Kind of like be your little sister in this and or little <laughs> and just be like i'm gonna follow what they're doing and it's just it's exciting so um but first of all i want to check in because you know we're in a weird place you're in la right now i'm in seattle and um i go to la used to once a month for for photography um mm. but uh can't be there to interview you to do person. photography yourself yeah so yeah, all the projects here for you do them all here yeah, so I, I have a studio in El Segundo okay. that I that I shoot at. Oh, I didn't I realize that. Yeah, and I shoot here too. So I shoot all over. So I take my, my speaking gigs and I use those as my travel base. And I do mm. photos where I travel, where I speak. Oh, that's cool. Kind of create I didn't realize you did that. Yeah, so right. it works really well. But LA, I've just got so many people I, I need to shoot there still. So I love shooting. And plus, the city really likes me. So... I really love LA in a lot of ways and I love traveling into the mountains and all of that. So, but how are things there? You know, I know that um, things are opening and closing and a lot and work has had to shift. How are you today? How's your emotional check-in now? Right now I feel great. I was just practicing the violin for like the past three hours before we talked. And so that's like, that's like my, uh, that's like my meditation. (laughs) So right now, currently I'm good. It's interesting though, right now, because in, LA, I mean, there's obviously COVID um, and then there's the uh, the fires too. And so I live up in the mountains. And so there's, it's been fine the past couple of weeks, but there's been moments where I haven't been able to come home where I have to take like an hour and a half detour to get home because there's, there's firefighters working on something. So it's been really intense. Um, I think for me, I, I live in an area where most of my neighbors are older. They've been here for decades. And so they're ready for the apocalypse. Like when uh, COVID first started, my neighbor, like right on the other side over here, um, I, I said something about like toilet paper or something like that. And she was like, relax, like we're, we're, we're ready for the next five years if, if it comes down to it. Because <laughs> they're just ready because everyone out in the mountains, you have to be independent, right? And so uh, right, it's been right. nice to be around uh, people who are kind of already more independent and ready to kind of handle emergency situations. So that's been nice. Um, and then just with COVID, I think things are slowly opening up. Um, I'm, I speak t- on stage, but I'm a, I'm an ultimate introvert. So I think my life in some ways was kind of, 
hasn't changed too much just because I like to be on myself a lot. Um, but recently I've, I've felt kind of, uh, I don't know, socially awkward. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't usually feel that way, but I'll be interacting with people and I feel like, oh, I've kind of lost this, this, this quickness, this sharpness to like respond and kind of just be aware of other people and check in with people. And so I've been more proactive recently in the past few weeks to uh, um, just like kind of start conversations with strangers and just kind of get back to that feeling, even though you can't really do these large group things, but just really see people and kind of uh, spark and start those interactions again. So yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm not mad about not being able to go to large group things anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I was not a fan anyways. So you weren't I'm a fan. Really- Oh, what, what kind of large group things? I mean, I loved going to clubs. I loved going dancing, but I was never one for like huge gatherings of friends and like beach parties. And I just really? always- Really? We were like the opposite of it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. I love, well, I guess my mine comes from my total distaste for small talk. I just mm. don't have time for it. And that's what happens in those big parties is you just get a lot of people who are like, hey- what do you think about those Mariners or whatever? That's, that's what I, that's what I love though. I love, cause I love small talk because then you can like turn it into something more like small talk to me is like, it's like signals for like getting to a real conversation. And I feel like it's good. Like people I've realized um, that like, I think small talk is important, at least in my mind, because it's like, it gives you, you're, you're creating this rapport, this, this trust. You don't want to stay in it, but I feel like it's, it's, it's like, can you read your the other person's energy? Can you kind of, can you kind of meet them when they're at, and then can you go past that? Right, and I think right. I love those kind of, I love those large gatherings because I, not that I love talking to a lot of people because I like meeting one person and then like sp- spending like the two hours talking to them and then like learning everything I can about them. Like that's what I, right. that's what I miss. Yes. And that's, I guess I, that's, I, that's my caveat. Like I like that. But if I'm having small talk with somebody and there is no future, <laughs> like yeah. they can't draw a line to anything, I'm just like, like if it just stays right there, yeah. Time is money. Like I just don't yeah, have time. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. So, yeah. I, yeah, I guess I agree with you then. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely in that place where I'm learning though, and so I'm still. I don't know. Like, how are things? You said things are slowly opening back up. How is you know, how has your work been affected? I know we both are on the speaker circuit, but you have definitely done more speaking than I have. Um, I, I have a handful. <laughs> um, but how has it affected you? I don't know about you, but I had a bunch on the schedule before this quarantine and everything fell. Yeah, I had a bunch of uh, stuff on the calendar that was all started like March 6th. And then, like the whole spring was going to be like this super busy thing. I was going to be traveling the whole time. Um, and then, yeah, everything got canceled or postponed all within like the same week. Um, and at first it was this almost like existential moment where it's like, I've been doing this for six years and I've been investing time, money, like effort into kind of to get where, get to get to the place where 2020 looked like it was going to be, uh, which is like pretty packed and busy. And so it was just a weird feeling to know even on the, the speaker side, but even on the musician side that, okay, the thing that I've spent all my time investing in is now the most dangerous thing to humanity. <laughs> so it was kind of just like, and I, and I really don't, I don't like doing things on computers and I don't like, I've, I wasn't using social media really until this year. Um, and so I was kind of just like, man, is this, this is even what I want to do. Like all these things, having all these questions. Um, but now everything is virtual and I love it. And I might even like it more than in-person events because I can have a routine. Uh, so, I mean, I guess you're getting started with the speaking, but um, yeah, I, I really, I've been doing this for over six years and um, I haven't had a routine for six years. I haven't had like a steady time that I wake up and go to sleep. Um, and that affects, you know, creativity that affects all these things. If you're constantly trying to get in balance, then you can't kind of flow to that next level of like thinking and, and questioning and just like examining the simple things in your thoughts, which leads to you being more effective on stage. Uh, so it's nice. I feel like my work is more aligned because I go to sleep the same time every night and I haven't done that <laughs> ever really. <laughs> yeah. So it's helped you. I would say it has. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, now that I've, things have kind of settled and balanced, I definitely feel um, way more 
empowered as uh, an artist with this setting. And obviously there's, there's habits and routines I can take from this to when we start traveling again. But for now, it's been great. Yeah, I think it caused so many of us because, you know, I think I've only been speaking uh, professionally for a year. But those speaking gigs, you know, I was flown out, I was traveling, I got to do an exhibit in Florida, like I got to do all of these great things. But um, I was just getting started. And so Mm. I didn't have a schedule with it. And I didn't know how to process kind of my own routine and causing and but I was also doing faces shoots and all of these other things. Mm. And so um I didn't slow down. I, I just didn't know how to slow down. And so this forced me to, and I think just like you said, like it, it makes you a better creator. It makes you a better speaker when you take time for yourself and you really prioritize. And we were all kind of, everybody was forced to sit in that space and prioritize ourselves. And I don't know about you, but it really helps my mental health having this time for myself. In what aspect? I'm more aware of the issues I have and I'm less afraid to unpack them. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Right? <laughs> that like sums up my last like month or so. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. I love that you get it because it's like, oh, why am I reacting this way to this? I've never had the time to sit and diagnose why I do something. Totally. We're talking the same language, right? Let me show you something. So, Please do. <laughs> like, I started uh, doing this thing where um, like every morning I'll like write these kind of notes to myself. And for me, there's there's one, there's like a couple of main things that I, I wanted to work on that kind of came to my mind during quarantine and just in terms of like how I show up, which is I felt like I'm not showing up um, honestly. And that comes for me, I've realized from a couple of different places, one of having like uh, a mother that I felt like emotionally responsible for, right? And so like all these codependent um, aspects come into like how I show up and I'm saying yes to things that I don't want to do. I'm not, I'm not setting boundaries, right? And then um, there's uh, kind of all these elements. And so what I'm what doing is each morning I've started kind of... I like feel whatever tension points in my mind or body. And so then I asked myself really four questions. And the first one is like, what are the facts? Like just simply like, what are the facts? Right. And so what I realized is that, Oh, sorry. First question, what are the facts? And the next question is like, what's my story? Like what? It, so it's like, what's the stimuli? And then what am I creating? And I realized that, most of my tension points, like most of the anxiety I have, most of the things that I feel like I'm compelled to do, it's just around the story that I'm creating, right? Um, and then I can look at, okay, what's my response because of this story? And so things kind of exacerbate and I'm like hiding things and I feel shame and I'm like, I'm like hiding from people. I'm like doing all these things because of the story when actually the fact is the only thing that happened was like a, one person sent me a text message asking a question. They didn't, they're not forcing me to do anything. They're not, there's no pressure. It's just my story is I'm obligated to do this for them. I owe them. I, I'm creating all of these things. So it's been interesting for me to kind of look at all that. And like you said, kind of dissect it and then recognize patterns and be like, oh, oh yeah, no, this is just, I'm, I'm creating like 99% of this <laughs> and I'm creating stories, not just for myself, but like, but like for other people. And then I'm resenting them based on the things that <laughs> so yeah, like, that's how I'm really spending my time thinking really about really that like... yeah <laughs> it's real though because I feel like so many of us process things through trauma I have a lot of mother issues I have a I was raised in a way that um, was not beneficial and so I am now as an adult seeing things come up and I'm very, you know I think especially when we're busy people type a personalities hard workers traveling a lot we don't dissect those. We don't have the time to go, why am I reacting this way to this? Why am I so defensive? Why am I so, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I being hard on myself? All of these things. And now that I have time to unpack it, I'm able to actually take it a step further, just like you're doing on your paper. I'm like, oh, this is, this is sensitive for me here. Mm. What's happening inside me? And I, w- I just wrote about this in a talk that I gave um, to my, one of my first virtual talks. Um, 
it's very similar to plants. Like when plants aren't happy, how are we dissecting that? Like what is the plant doing? Is its dirt dry? Are there, you know, brown things around the edges of its leaves? It's reacting. So how do we react? Like, are you blooming differently? Are, is your face getting flush? Are you feeling shame? Maybe you're regressing into like a child and you're acting immature. Maybe, mm. you know what I mean? There's what, how yeah. am I behaving and what's underneath and what do I have to dig out to not do that anymore? And it's been, um, I think it's been revolutionary for me to have that time mm. to just go, fuck, I'm reacting this way because of this, not because of this. Right. right. It's so empowering. It's like the most empowering thing you can do like that, like recognizing those patterns and then being able to make a, a decision, a choice. Uh, but then also real, realizing that the thing that you were antagonizing isn't actually the thing that you need to antagonize and to even like not feel that you have to anymore. It's very freeing. Well, and there's so many things in society and in world and in the world now that are traumatizing that it's bringing up things that have nothing to do with it. And we're just like, oh, shit, I'm reacting to this because it's traumatizing because this is triggering me from something totally different. So I think it's great because I think it's probably making you a better speaker, too. I know it's doing it for me because I'm able to be vulnerable in a productive way. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this term. And if you haven't, I'm about to blow your mind. Um, Post-traumatic growth. Is a fucking thing. It's real. It's scientific. Mm. I had no idea. Somebody came up to me after a speech. I had uh, explained my process of trauma and what I had learned and how I had grown and how I had taught myself to be a photographer through all of this. And this doctor who had spoken before me came up to me and he was like, so what you have is a thing. And I was like, sorry. And he said, it's called post-traumatic growth. (laughs) And it's a psychological process of somebody surviving a trauma, whatever that may be, taking that those traumatic feelings and psychologically changing how you look at them to help that use them as fuel to help you grow mm-hmm. to invest in time money um, education whatever to make you better to help you use that and if you look around so many motivational speakers have post-traumatic growth so many influencers have post-traumatic growth because they come from this dark place they redirect it and become these fucking magical humans that help other people that's yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it's wild. And I think the more that I'm kind of trying to be on that path is like, it's a lot about shame, right? It's like you have the, the, the trauma, you have these experiences, but in order to create something out of them, you have to go deep into them again, right? And, and release certain things and you have to be willing to feel certain things and also look at the things you're blaming yourself for and all the the shame around it. And so it's really just kind of developing comfort with self. And then that's like that kind of stepping stone that allows uh, everything else to happen. Yeah. Comfort with self and comfort with uncomfort. Mm. And I think that there's so many people that like brush away things that are uncomfortable or things that are hard. And I would, I would would disagree with that though. I would, I, I feel like, I feel like, like brushing away things are that are uncomfortable is that's like the only un, like discomfort because it's I like I'm of the I guess philosophy whatever that even when it comes to music like anything I do it's all about releasing tension points like even playing the violin mm-hmm. it's an incredibly complicated complex instrument but the body like you have to be so loose the playing the violin should be at its peak it's easy your your, your hands should be feel like they're mm-hmm. dropped they're loose and so like for me it's like when i'm looking at these things when i'm looking at the the, the points of shame that i have around like all, all uh, the the secrets that i feel like i have to keep or something like that me keeping those and me not diving into that that's like the discomfort and it's when i dive into it that's like releasing the tension just like if i'm practicing the violin it's like you're releasing that you're freeing yourself you're you're kind of you're you're creating comfort like and so for me, it's like, that's why I kind of view things where it's like, I want to dive head first because I love comfort and like mm-hmm. this, 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 this secret keeping this, this like, um, avoiding certain topics, this, this like, uh, being ashamed of certain things like that's not, com- that's not comfortable, especially 
if you're going to live like for 80 years, like that's not, that's not comfort. And so I think we should kind of change the conversation where it's like, you want to, it's like you're working. It's not discomfort for the sake of discomfort. It's like your tranquility and comfort is actually the goal. It's under there. You just have to get to (laughs) it. Yeah, it's there. You're just kind of, you have to like tease away some, some things, you know, and it's, and I think it's already there, but there's just things blocking it. Um, And so, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a lot of times I think discomfort or kind of embracing hard stuff is kind of romanticized and we end up on paths where we're, we're seeing discomfort as the goal and not the end for like the end should be tranquility, you know, and like discomfort should be a a tool pathway for us to get there. But sometimes we think we're like doing something difficult. We're like, ah, it's right. But it's like, okay, well, why, why, what's the end? Is it just this feeling <laughs> to make you self feel like you're moving somewhere, but where are you actually moving to? And I think it's important to, to dissect that. Yeah. I think that's such a great point. And I think you and I actually agree on this. We just have different ways of putting it because I also yeah, think yeah, yeah. there is, there is a beauty in processing those moments in order to get to that comfort. Because I mm. do think that so many people live in the uncomfort because that's what they're used to. That's Mm. what they, that's where they think they need to be to look like you said, like they're doing something like they're processing. But in reality, it's like, how do we move past it? We can move through it. People talk about this in the suicide realm all the time that, you know, you'll never get over it. The pain will never stop when you lose someone. You never get through it, but you can move through it. You don't have to live Mm. there. The pain will always be there. You, It doesn't change. The level of pain that I felt for the loss of my brother has never changed. The difference mm. is I've gotten stronger. Mm. So much stronger. And that's what we, I, I think we need to reimagine how we look at processing our pains and our traumas and our shames and things that bubble up as adults. Because as we start doing work and have therapists or people that we talk to, shit bubbles up in our twenties and thirties and forties. That's when it happens. Not when we're younger. Mm. And, um, I think it's the best education you can give yourself to process those things better than any school. You learn a lot about yourself. I don't know if you have, but I know through this quarantine and through processing those hard moments in search of that comfort, I've learned so much about myself more this year than I have any year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right. Same with me. Well, I know that, um, you know, that my, this podcast is very mental health um, focused in a lot of ways. And I think that right now with everything happening in the world, there are a lot of people that um, don't connect at all. Like I think all of our mental health is affected right now. There's a lot of people experiencing mental illness that have never had it before in their lives. People Mm -hmm. that are experiencing anxiety for the first time because they don't want to catch COVID because there are Mm -hmm. so many things happening in the world with our fucking garbage fire government and all of this. Like, but those of us who do struggle, who have been there before all of this, I feel like there's a different type of awakening happening because people are seeing us for the first time. They're seeing what we've gone through because they're like, I'm feeling anxiety too. And I'm like, yeah, what is that? anxiety?" (laughs) Amazing how that feels, isn't it? (laughs) And also, you know, there are people that are respecting what we've gone through now. And so I know that you've struggled and that you've had ups and downs with your illness Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and tell people um, how you're managing. Yeah. So I have bipolar one. So I guess imagine your listeners are familiar, but for those who aren't, so that means I tend towards uh, the manic episodes, uh, but I've had uh, several depressive episodes also. Um, And so for me, actually I had this, this really interesting observation. So I've, yeah, I've had some really intense manic episodes where I'm like thinking that I'm different religious figures and like like my family can't recognize me, all that, right? I've been to that place. And um, and a lot of that was um, those intense ones. Those were about, I think, what year was it? Like 2015, 2016. So about four or five years ago, right? And what I realized is that when COVID started, 
it was kind of like the breeding ground for a manic episode, at least for me, because it's difficult to sleep and sleep kind of triggers you into mania. And then uh, all the work was kind of canceled, but I had to think creatively, like, what am I going to do? Like my, like, what am I, I had to come up with all these different ideas that like, there's all this manic energy that's kind of necessary to kind of create things. And so, um, and then I'm also living by myself. Right. And so I'm, there's like the isolation too. And so there's no one around to be like, you okay. Right. And so there's all these things. And what I realized is that for me, um, uh, my, I had this observation where I was like so scared. I had a, I had a psychiatrist appointment, uh, I think maybe two months in and it was in here. And, and it's funny cause you know, it, there's like a whole new form of like intimacy with your therapist or psychiatrist right. now because they, you're not just coming to their space where they're coming to yours. They're like, Oh, what's right. that? Like, what's right. that? Okay. You okay. You know? And so for <laughs> me, I was, I was super like self-conscious around it because Whenever I have a manic, whenever I sorry, whenever I have a manic episode, I like put stuff all over the wall, and it's like it was like post-it notes everywhere, and it's like extreme like creative, right? Uh, extremely creative. And so my psychiatrist, she's been with me since 2015, so she knows these things. And so I was working on a project, a music project, and she calls, and uh, and where you're like, it's from the same position that the, the right, laptop right. is now. And there's like all these notes all behind me, right? And so she was like, red flags. No, no, but she, no, it's like she's calling. And then right before she called, I didn't want to see it. So I like went to the other side of the room, right? And I was like, so kind of ashamed. Like I didn't want her to see that I might. Also, like part of having a manic or hypermanic episode is like you, it feels really good too. Like you don't. You don't want it to stop because it's it, like chemically it feels like you're it's on top of the world. Almost. Yeah. And I wasn't having a, a manic episode then, but that's what there's like, I have right. defensiveness around it. Um, right. But then in the call, we were kind of like going over things and she made me realize that I actually hadn't had a full manic episode in like four years. Mm-hmm. And it was like this observation for me, which is like, Oh shit. Like I have so much anxiety around having the manic episode that I've forgotten just how much work I've done to like feel okay. And like how much, like even through like testing medication and like doing meditation and like all these things, like, like working on my environment. And like, even like now we were talking about earlier, like I sleep outside every night and that's because like I sleep so well because of just the the connection to the earth. And so I honor that. And so it kind of made me realize I had forgotten all of the things that I've actually been doing to feel okay. And so that was something that allowed me to relax into this experience, especially being by myself a lot and not having like the checkpoints, which is like, okay, actually, no, I got this. I I've been to some places and I'm okay right now. And like, I can trust it. Like I'm fine. And so that was like a really big point for me during COVID where I was like, let me just, let me relax and kind of, uh, does not put as much pressure on myself and I have as much fear about myself because that's what it kind of was fear right. of myself. So I love that. I love that. And I feel like it's so often that we forget to celebrate our wins and to look back and see how far we've come. Like mm. it's just, we're, we're so worried about that progress in that minute. And we're not thinking about, Wow, this is like you said, four years that you hadn't had. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's amazing. So you're clearly doing things to help yourself right now during this because I don't I don't think I'm I'm saying anything untruthful that it's harder for everyone right now. Um, and it sounds like you're doing great things to help yourself. So that's good. Thank you. I appreciate it that. Like, yeah, it sounds. I think. It would, <laughs> inspire a lot of other bipolar people who are not sure how to navigate this new space and you know because and I've heard a lot of stories about how exciting and awesome the manic moments are but how um, they can also be a little bit scary after the fact or knowing you know knowing exactly what they are so I'm excited Yeah, yeah so for me it was like an identity crisis almost because I've always like creativity like composing being by myself and thinking a lot and like writing poetry like anything that's always been a big part of my life and so then like five years ago to have that part that that creative part now attached to mania which is 
could obviously go in some very dangerous places very quickly. It was like a, I had a detachment from myself. I had a detachment from my creativity, a detachment from my energy. And so now I'm just like, okay, I've done, at least for like now during COVID, I've been the most creative I've ever been. And I've mm. been able to realize that, okay, I've, I've set up these like systems, these routines around me so that I can go to that place and not have to be scared. So I can like mm. think or like wake up with a good idea and know that like I'll, I'll be able to go back to sleep the next night, you know? Uh, which is not where I've been at other points. And so I'm honest. And I think it's for me, it's like, I know how hard it is to get to that place. And so right now I'm kind of just like, let's just keep things how it is. Like, let's just, like, I don't want to just, <laughs> yeah, let's not, let's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm kind of a little, a part of me is a little anxious or scared about even like starting to travel again, because I've, this is the first time I've, I felt super balanced every day. Um, and so I'm just like, thankful and just trying to keep it <laughs> stable as, as long as, as long as we can. Yeah. You could say honestly then that this quarantine has been really good for you in many ways. I would say for me yeah, in terms of how my brain works and my lifestyle before in terms of everything about my lifestyle, not everything, but a lot of things were like the opposite of what you're supposed to do when you have bipolar, <laughs> like time right. zone shifts, sleep schedule, like, like all these things. Uh, so yeah, this is probably, on just a chemical level, like better for my brain. Yeah. I love that. So you currently speak to who's your, who's your, your typical client? Are they or, large organizations, small organizations? Um, there's a range. There's a lot of them are professional associations. So associations in healthcare. Um, like I think yesterday or, or maybe two days ago, I was talking to, all the uh, leaders of hospitals across the state of Iowa, uh, a lot of a lot of healthcare, a lot of education. Um, the range is wide. Uh, mm. Some companies, corporations, stuff like that. Um, yeah, the range is pretty wide, though. I love that. And so you have taken and explained to people because I know, but I probably won't do it justice like you do. You take the idea of creating music, composing music orchestrating music and the idea of that creative process and you attribute it to how companies lead their teams, lead everything and how they innovate, correct? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I use music as a metaphor to talk about things such as innovation, creativity, how to create progress. But along the lines, it's not it's really not a surface level thing. Like, honestly, I don't, there's a lot of things that I, I don't actually care about. So for me, I'm not trying to help a company. I'm trying to help a specific person there who's experiencing something emotionally or intellectually experiencing some kind of block. And I'm telling stories. I'm giving metaphors for that person in that company, because I think a lot of times we use the term like, Oh, company for this organization. No, it, it, there's like humans there, humans that have siblings, kids that have stress, anxiety, mental health issues, like all these things. And the way we show up at home or by ourselves is how we're going to show up in our work and all of these things. And so um, the, the, for me, I, if, I, if it's a company or if it's an association or a nonprofit like that, that, that organization that they're in is just, it's this, it's the stage that they can look at themselves on. Right. So like a lot of times we, we try to like to use a, a music analogy. It's like, we, we, we want to search for like the right stage to fix our problems, but we're bringing the same music with us everywhere we go. And so for me, I use the topics of innovation and creativity to talk about, okay, well, we can't really talk about, um, innovation or creativity unless we can first talk about like envy and jealousy and looking out and seeing um others with things that we actually desire and how what does that trigger in us and like, we can't really talk about um creating progress unless we talk about how we can actually deliver like uh feedback thoughtfully and with compassion so there's like all these things that are underneath it and music is uh like my I guess, toolkit to exploring these things because the, the parallels run so deep. I love that, Kai. I feel like that's such an untapped metaphor 
in so many ways as being raised in a musical household and playing several instruments, I really feel like there's so, you know, I, how, how many times have you heard that, Oh, I played the piano because my parents wanted me to learn discipline. Like mm. so many of us, especially in my, in the X generation with baby boomer parents, the boomer parents thought that learning a musical instrument would teach you discipline and teach you how to commit to something. But I think that, that's the path it's always had, but I don't think it ever occurred to people to take the creative side of it and open those doors and see mm-hmm. how you, that could be attributed to your life. So I think you're brilliant yeah. for doing it this way. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So even what you just said um, about like, yeah, a lot of people will come to me after a performance and say that thing, maybe a story or something about how it's like, the, the discipline and the, the the rigidity of it. And to be honest, it's like, those things are important too. Like it's both, right? Like an, an artistic goal without technical ability, like really means nothing. Like even like a, a humanitarian effort or like a, a charity or like anything that's of importance, if it doesn't have that kind of rigor behind it, then it's a disservice to that goal. And so it's really a combination of the both. Right. That's what my work really is around. It's like, okay, we need that. We need, sometimes there is right and wrong, right? Sometimes we need to have that, that clarity and like hold ourselves accountable. And then other times we need to explore and we need to see. And like, these are different steps of the process. Neither is more important than the other. And it's important right. to kind of uh, blend those. And the thing is, I go into a lot of places where that one is, <laughs> one side already is kind of uh, valued right. a lot more. And so I'm, I'm often, you know, bringing the, the more creative and expressive side in. But I, I, I do it in a sense to let them know that this other side of theirs that isn't something to like look down on, you know, it's, it well, is important, but it needs to be balanced. Yeah. Right. If you balance it, it's amazing the way that the other side will continue to rise. I think when you give mm-hmm. one side more weight, you've created a ceiling. Mm-hmm. And if you bring that other one up, you're able to rise a lot better. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Because, because no, no, exactly. Because what you're saying is like, they inform the other, right? If you have, if you have more expression, if you have more like empathy, you're going to see how the decisions you should made on, you should make on a technical side should differ and change. And if you actually are higher on the technical side, you'll see how you can do things that will actually um, elevate the more empathetic side and make it more efficient. So I mean, they 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 inform. They're not separate, right? They're they're together, um, right. and they inform each other. Yeah, I think that I think that there's a lot of businesses and industries that would uh, benefit from having your your take on all this because I think right now, especially people are they're having to rethink their entire structures. You know, mm-hmm. we're not working in offices anymore. We're not. You know, people are working from home, but you know, the morale of employees overall is better because they're mm. at home, because they're with their pets, because, you know, like, am I wearing pants right now? You're never going to know. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't, you know what I mean? We're in that place. I'm definitely barefoot. Like, and I if I was in my office, you know, and yeah, yeah. I think that they're, companies have to think, look at the morale, look at how much better these people are are working for me and acting right now. How can I flip the script creatively to keep things that way and to make our our company run better and progress? And so I think that's where you're, this whole idea of thinking outside of the box and really flipping things around and thinking more creatively is, is just really smart. So what is your plan going forward? Like, what do you have coming up? What's, um, how have you pivoted in this whole thing? Yeah. So, I mean, everything's, everything's virtual now. And what, what's been interesting is that it's been an extremely creative time, even though it's been away from, so now like usually you go on a stage, you give your speech and you leave, but now it's like, I just like recorded uh, I recorded a speech on like the top of a mountain in Malibu for a client and like I'm doing all these different creative things that I wouldn't have felt compelled to do otherwise. So I'm kind of just riding that flow and there's a lot of virtual work that I'm doing. And right now I'm letting that lead me. I'm letting that guide me because I, what I realized is that before I was kind of like not in a rut, but I was in like a, I was in a pattern and it was a pattern that I was kind of, 
uh, on stage becoming dependent on. And so this has allowed me to say, oh, why am I doing that like that? Why am I structuring this like that? Why why am I kind of following to the same patterns? And so right now I'm trying to uh, do that and also just be as helpful as I can. And what you said earlier is correct. It's just there's a lot of organizations right now that are with people that are confused, uh, struggling in some sense. And so however I can help and use music to do that, uh, that's what I'm there for. I love that. Well, I feel like we could talk for hours. I also feel like we need to like have a whole separate thing that if I pick up the violin again, I just might need your help. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I would love to tell people how they can find you. Um, where, the, where you're the most active online. Cause I know you said you weren't social media based before and now you are, which I love that this has turned you into somebody that is tech, a little more tech savvy and social media based <laughs> because the world needs to know about you. So I'm excited for them to learn. Well, thanks. Yeah. You can follow me. Well, uh, my, my, uh, my handle is just my name. So it's at Kai kite. So at K A I K I G H T. Um, and that's on like LinkedIn, Twitter, and whatnot. But um, my name is pretty easy to find. So that's the same on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, if you're on there too. Yeah. All the things. Perfect. So let's get into these, my lightning round questions. These, uh, like I told you off camera that we were, um, I was, I used to be a fan of uh, James Lipton who had Inside the Actor Studio. So these are a hearken to him. Um, the first one is, what is your favorite swear word? Swear word. It can be anything. I think, I think I'm trying to say the, the, the one I use the most is probably just damn. Is that even a swear word? Just like I when mean, something happens. I feel it's like it's not. It like I, I say it so much. I'll give you two. Well, I think I just say it so much as like. When something small that happens, I say it to myself in like a funny, like, damn. Like, I just say it like yeah. to myself and it's kind of just like a, I just like, it allows me to like accept something silly that I do. And I like laugh at myself if I, if I like trip or something. So I probably yeah, use that the most. Yeah, yeah, I like I that. It's my most truth. People say, people say <laughs> F, most people say F, fuck. So the fact that you said damn, I don't think anybody said that before. I like that one. I don't think it's a curse word though, but. I mean, I in some households it is. In mine growing up, it was. so. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was. Okay, your second question. Because we're in the time of COVID and a lot of self-care is necessary, and you're a musician, is there any album, book, movie that is your go-to when you're like, I need to decompress, I need to take care of myself, or I need some comfort? Um, what yeah. are you listening to? There's a actually let me pull up. there's I forget the name of his uh his last album but there's a composer uh German guy uh, Niels Fromm he's a pianist are you aware mm-hmm. of him as well Yes of course Fromm's Yeah no no Niels Fromm Oh you know? no He's he's a uh, he's he's like maybe in his 30s or something like that 40s but Oh wow He has he had this project that he released that beginning of quarantine called empty and it's it's so beautiful it was just it was just the only thing I, I was listening to for the first two weeks of it and it's so introspective but also hopeful at the same time and he has uh yeah he's he's just incredible so i would have anyone check it out um i also just watched this documentary on netflix that i feel like i need to share with everyone yeah. <laughs> it's called my octopus teacher have you seen that? I've seen it, but I haven't watched it, but I saw it on the thing and I was you, like, you should watch it. It's beautiful. So it's like, it's about this relationship. This he, he like pretty much, he dives every day for over a year off the coast of South Africa and like develops a relationship with the octopus. And like, Stop. it's like really like at one point, like the octopus is like hugging him and it's like, it's so it's beautifully shot. Um, mm. Yeah. So I love that. Okay. I would check it out. Yeah. It gets kind of weird in some moments. Like in some moments, I was like, "Is he, is he trying to sleep with his octopus?" Like what? The Ooh, <laughs> but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't take that turn. Uh, but you're like, it's it just could. A, I see the yeah, potential. No, if, like yeah, if, if like that was the next scene, I'd be like, "Hey, they, that that kind of makes sense." Given, but no, that didn't. It didn't go that way. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's happening. But no, it's like it's beautiful. But uh, but the reason why I say to watch it 
is because it was so inspiring because he literally like spends every day for over a year doing the exact same thing. And he notices these small um, behaviors in the octopus. And for me, it was just like a, a symbol of like, okay, what can I like, what can you just give yourself to every day and just like notice these mm-hmm. small things and just like, just out of curiosity, just see what might come out of it. And so it was just inspiring to see someone that's like so deep down a specific path that they're observing things and they're doing things that kind of crosses species. It is just really inspiring. So that's why I recommended it. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Your next question. (laughs) It's a harder one. I would love it if you could name a few people, one, two, three, however many you can think of off the top of your head that inspired you to be who you are today. However, caveat, they cannot be white heterosexual men, which I don't think will be a problem for you, but I I think they have enough attention. Um, That's my only issue. Yeah. So let's see. It's inspired me to be, um, really inspired by my sister if that works yeah so she's she's four years older than me um we're very similar and she's someone that's always been super supportive but also she's very um open and like if something doesn't feel right she'll trust it and she'll change things and so i feel like that's something that i've learned and tried to embody in my own way just that sense of openness uh, and trust in myself. So, I love that. Good one. Nice job. And you yeah. get sister points. She'll be. She'll love that. She's not a. She's not a white heterosexual man. I swear. <laughs> no, not. That is perfect. Okay. Your last question, which was asked to me in an interview uh, a few years ago, and it brought me to tears, and I didn't realize why. And I thought, oh, I need to hear this from everybody. Um, if you could have lunch with your younger self. Around what age would you be? What would you two eat together? What would you make them eat that maybe they don't like or you want them to try at a younger age? <laughs> and most importantly, what would you say to them at that age? Uh, that's a great question. Mm. I'm think about it for a sec. Yeah, of course. Yeah, when it was asked to me, I was like, <sighs> shit. <laughs> what did I need to hear? Yeah, huh. So I think like a big pivot point for me was just when I was nine. So it was like a huge, it was a huge day. So mm-hmm. it was, I went, I went from, I always grew up in just in neighborhoods that were predominantly black. And then when I was nine, my parents put me in this private school where I was like pretty much the only black student in my grade. Mm-hmm. And so that was just like, uh, just like, what what is happening? What is happening? You know? And then that like the second day of school, that's when like nine 11 happened. And so I like I remember feeling so like isolated, scared, like alone. It was that's when that's when like my memories really started because I was just like on edge. Like at first I didn't like feel comfortable or like understand this new world that I was in. And now you know all these scary things on the news. I, I grew up in D.C., so like I had uh, friends, parents who like passed away and stuff like that. Right. And so I just I guess if I would go back, I would I would. What would we have to eat? Back then, I really liked the, I really loved crunch berries. Yes. Same I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't eat them now. I tried to. I really wanted to, but I couldn't. <laughs> A lot. Um, I could have like two bites. So I'd have, no, I'd have some crunch berries with them. You know, I'd have a big bowl. And then uh, I would just, my main thing was like, would be to just say, uh, Um, like you can just be you and that's fine because I remember that point was when I that's when I had my first very specific memories of like oh I have to be something different now for like for me to be in this space I have to present something different um that was like a huge thing for me that I'm still mm-hmm. kind of working through because that was such a fundamental part so I think that's what I would say. Yeah. I love that. It's a good I question. Love- I love yeah, for you to say like, this is like the quick round, but these are just like existential questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's like, I want to catch you off guard, but I also think that 
having that realization of what we would tell ourselves when we were younger or what we needed to hear. Sometimes we need to hear it today too, still. Mm. And that's something I realized when that was asked to me is I, he was like, why were the, the interviewers like, why are you crying? And I said, because I didn't realize not only did I need to hear that then, but I needed to hear it now. And I was like, hmm. oh, shit, I need to hear everybody's answer for this. And it's kind of a fascinating. Yeah. I actually, even when I'm not doing my podcast, I've asked it to people that I meet that I'm fascinated with. And um, so thank you for answering that with. A yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I'll pass it along to the next person. Yeah, please. I talk to. Yeah. <laughs> it gives you some perspective on yourself, if anything. And um, yeah, well, thank sure. you so much for being here and for taking time in your day. I. Um, I would like to plan a whole thing where you just play the violin because that is what I need for my soul. But um, I, I do want people to find you online and find that, um, find your music and what you do and um, maybe even have them come, sp- you, you speak at, at their orgs and companies because I think that what you do is really important. So I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the thoughtfulness and the, the questions. And I will help you with your ferns. We will help with your with okay. your plants. <laughs> Actually, if you could just give me the one behind you. That oh, would yeah. Be, yeah. Well, the big one, his name is Gandalf. He's not going anywhere. But the other oh, one, wow. his strength. Not that, not that I deserve or have earned your, your trust in fern <laughs> care at all. No, but. we're going to teach you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes. I want to invite you to join us to continue this conversation online where there's an incredible organic community that's always ready to welcome you. You can find links to all of the social media platforms connected to this movement at my website, mariangelaabeo.com. If you have an idea for a topic or a guest you'd like to see on the podcast, please shoot me an email. Or if you'd like to apply to be a face in the Faces of Fortitude project, or maybe you want to discuss having a part of this movement in a city near you, please visit the website contact page, and I look forward to connecting with you. And until next time, please take care of yourselves and those around you. And by that, I mean, wash your damn hands, wear a fucking mask, defund the police, and continue fighting for the rights of black lives everywhere, especially black trans lives. And do your part to abolish all forms of systemic racism. I'll see you next time.